So that's John chapter 12, beginning at verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the come time, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. 
This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light on our paths. We love your word. We meditate on it all day long, just as the psalmist says, how sweet your words are to our taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And so please now, through your precious word, help us to taste to see the glory of Jesus. Amen. We have come and we would like to see Jesus. Sir, we would like to see Jesus. That's what the group of people say in verse 21. A group of Greeks, they've come to Bethsaida in Galilee and they say, say, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Now, as we restart 4 p.m. after four months without meeting in person, it's worth just kind of thinking about what, what is our hopes? What are our, what are our prayers for our congregation here at 4 p.m.? Surely it's that. Surely our hope and prayer for 4 p.m. is that people want to come and see Jesus, have an encounter with Jesus, that people come to know Jesus' love, his grace, his power his wisdom, his authority, his mercy. The people come to have their lives transformed as they encounter the risen Saviour. Isn't that our prayer? Isn't that a prayer for Neutral Bay, for Cremorne, for Mossman, for our friends, for our family, that people come to see Jesus? That word see, you could actually also describe it or translate it as these are people who want to come and interview Jesus or they want to come and inquire of Jesus. They may not yet have been believers. They wanted to find out more. They wanted to investigate. They had a hunger to discover who he was. Maybe that's you here this afternoon. Maybe you're here this afternoon. You're not yet a Christian. Someone's invited you along. Great to have you. Welcome. And maybe you're on a journey and you want to find out more about Jesus to discover who he is. That's so good. Welcome. That's our prayer, isn't it? For 4 p.m., people wanting to come and discover Jesus because the heart of Christianity is not a church building. The heart of Christianity is not being a good person or anything like that. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. And even those of us who have been Christians for a while, We need to keep seeing Jesus, don't we? We need to keep taking off the glasses of the world and putting on the glasses of Scripture that point us to the glories and beauty of Jesus, our Saviour. We have come to see Jesus. So what do we see about Jesus in our passage today? This is Jesus' last ever public sermon before he dies. From this point on, he's going to start preaching more in private to his disciples. And so you've got to think, if he's going to preach his last public sermon, he's going to pick the important stuff. So what do we see about Jesus from this passage? Three things. Number one, we see his 
glory. We see his glory. Have a look at verse 23. John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. To be glorified. There's a lot about glory in the Gospel of John. We've actually called this series, We Have Seen His Glory. Back in John chapter 1, John begins by saying, We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, what does it mean for Jesus to be glorious? Well, in the Bible, Glory is often used to describe something that is weighty and supremely important. You know, I think about my life and the amount of times I waste on things that aren't that weighty, that don't really matter, or the time I spend on social media. You know, I want to build my life on something that's weighty, something that's more important than anything. That's Jesus. He is glorious. He's supremely weighty above all. But in the Bible, that word glory also is used to describe something that is beautiful, something that is wonderful, something that is delightful. And so when we talk about Jesus being glorious, we're talking about not just that he is the amazing king of all kings, supremely worthy, but we're talking about his beauty as well. He is wonderful. We delight in him. We love and long to be his. And so here, though, we see this strange thing. Where do we see Jesus' glory most clearly? What's he saying? Verse 23, the hour has come. Now, whenever he says the hour has come in John's gospel, he's always talking about his death. The hour has come for the Son of Man. That's, that's him. He's talking back to Daniel chapter 7 in the Old Testament, the promised king. That's him. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. See, this is what's crazy. The place where we see Jesus' death, Jesus' glory most clearly is on a bloody Roman cross, on a, on a torture instrument where he experienced a public humiliating death, nails through his hands, a crown of thorn through his forehead, pierced side, unable to breathe. I mean, when we talk about glory, we, we, you know, we might say, oh, I saw a glorious sunset or I heard a glorious piece of music or I saw a glorious winning goal in a soccer game or whatever it might be. But the murder of a man? How, how on earth is that glorious? Well, Jesus is troubled by what he's going to go through. I mean, he knows that it's going to be painful. Look at verse 27. Look what he says. He says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. As Jesus thinks about his death, he's troubled. I would be too, wouldn't you be? If you knew you were going to die a horrible death, you'd be troubled. He knows the physical pain he's about to go through. But you know what? What we don't think about very often is he knows the spiritual pain he's about to go through. Because as 
he would die on that cross. He knew he was dying in our place. He knew he would be bearing the weight of the world's sin on his shoulders. He knew. He was God. He, he, he would be eter- the eternal son for all time. And yet at the cross, he would say, Father, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, his heavenly father would turn his face away. Just imagine the pain he would be going through, the spiritual pain. No wonder his soul is troubled. And yet he says, no, no, I'm not going to duck out of this. I'm not going to look for an early exit. I've come to die. This is why I'm here. And what does he say? Father, glorify your name. He's committed to the glory of God. He knows on that cross, that's going to be the moment of glory. Now, why is it glorious? It's glorious for two reasons. Well, it's glorious for so many reasons, but here's two. At the cross, we see the glory of God's justice. Because as Jesus hung there, God, the holy God, is dealing with the problem of sin. He's punishing sin. But also at that very same moment, we see Jesus and the glory of God's love because he's providing a way for us to be forgiven, for us to be made whole, for us to be brought back to God. At the very same moment, we see God dealing with sin and God forgiving us all in one moment. Jesus humbling himself, not only to become a human, but to die on a cross and bring us and win us forgiveness. That is glorious. You know, we often talk about what the cross means for us as Christians. It's true, the cross means so much for us. But you know, first and foremost, before us, the cross brings the glory to God. It's a grand display of his glory. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, there's more of God's glory to be seen in the cross than in the sparkling stars above, the rolling deep below, the towering mountain, the teeming valleys, the abodes of life, or the abyss of death. You want to see something glorious? You can look at a sunset, of course. You can go stand on the edge of the ocean, of course. But the most glorious thing you and I will ever fix our eyes on is Jesus on that cross. When was the last time you sat at the foot of the cross and dwelt on what our Savior did for us and said, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah for your love, for your justice. That's the first thing we see about Jesus. We see his great, great glory. Number two, we see his victory. We see his victory. Have a look at verse 31. Verse 31. Jesus says, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Again, Jesus is here talking about his death. Now is the time. He's, about, he's talking about his death. He's about to die. And he says, when he dies, it will be the time he will judge the world and the prince of this world will be driven out. Now, who's that? It's Satan. It's the devil. Now, we don't talk about Satan or the devil very much. 
It's been said that the greatest trick the devil can ever pull is convincing us he doesn't exist. C.S. Lewis says there's two errors we can fall into. One error is we're always obsessing about demons and Satan and the devil. You, know, you wake up with a runny nose and you say, well, the devil must be out to get me today. And it's, just, it's too much thinking about. But, you know, I think we actually have the other problem. The other problem is that we don't talk about or think about Satan enough. We're not aware that he's at work. Do you know, the devil does not want 4 p.m. to grow. The devil does not want people to become Christians here at 4 p.m. church. The devil does not want to see this congregation succeed. Satan does not want to see God's kingdom progress. We're in a spiritual battle. And when we look at the cross, at first glance, Satan won. Just at an initial first glance, Satan won the day, right? This is God, he died. Game over. But actually, it was the moment of his victory. It was the moment of his victory. You know that scene in Lord of the Rings where Gandalf is fighting the Balrog in the mountain of Moria? Anyone know? A few people? Great. I just watched all the Lord of the Rings in 4K, the extended editions. Very good. Good lockdown project. There's that scene where Gandalf, he's, he's fighting this Balrog and he, he plunges into the depths of death. He dies himself and as he dies, he defeats his foe. And here we have Jesus. He's plunged to the very depths, the lowest of the low. But his death is the victory. He defeats death itself on that cross. Because as Jesus hung on that cross, he didn't just die, he rose again. Sin is defeated. Death is conquered. The devil can no longer condemn you. The devil no longer has authority over you. You belong to Jesus. The scoreboard says Jesus won, devil zero. God has won the day at the cross. And so we have a choice as Christians. We can choose, are we going to Stay in the darkness. John keeps talking about the darkness. Are we going to stay in the darkness in the kingdom of the world under the authority of the evil one? Or are we going to walk into the light of his truth, into the light of Jesus? In Colossians 1, it says that Jesus wants to rescue us from the dominion of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Who are you going to be? God is victorious, and when we follow him, we, are, we have the victory through Jesus. I don't know what you're going through at the moment in your life and the kind of battles that you're facing this last week, this last few months. I've heard some of your stories. I know there's some incredible battles many of you are in the middle of. And I cannot promise to you that your battles will go the way that you hope they will in the next few weeks. I can't promise that. God knows what he's going to do. But what I can promise you is that through Jesus, we are more than conquerors. And that if God is for us in Jesus, who can be against us? What I can promise you is from 1 Corinthians 15, God has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, the battle that matters more than anything. It's been won. 
Satan has a use-by date, an expiry date. His final demise is coming. He may be alive and active now, but gee, his time, his days, his power is limited because we belong to Christ. How good is that? So the first thing we see about Jesus is his glory. The second thing we see about Jesus is his victory. And lastly, we see his mercy. We see his mercy. Verse 32. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. When he says lifted up, I think he's talking about his death again. He'll be lifted up on that cross. He may also be talking about his resurrection because after he dies, he's lifted up, he rises again. And of course, after that, he rises again and he ascends to the right hand of the Father. But I think first and foremost, he's talking about his death here, lifted up on the cross. And at that moment, we will see his mercy because at the cross, he is drawing all people to him. He has made a way for everyone to come to him and to receive life, forgiveness, mercy, hope. Not just life now, life to the full now, but life everlasting. That's why at the cross we see his love. Romans chapter 5 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is up there on that cross, arms out open wide, making a way for all people to come to him. All people to know his love. All people to know his grace. Will you come to him? Have you come to him? Have you asked for forgiveness? Have you trusted him and followed him? And for those of you who are Christians who have come to him, if Jesus has made a way and wants to draw all people to himself, we've got to go and tell people. We've got to go and invite people to him. We've got to go and proclaim the message of Christ. I'm not just talking about Alpha and Playtime and Everyday English and, and the programs we run, and they're great programs, but actually personally praying for our friends, looking for opportunities to share Jesus, shining as a light in the things we do and the things we say because we know Jesus has been lifted up, his arms are open, and wants to draw every person to him. We see his glory. We see his victory. We see his mercy. And so how do we respond? We believe. The Gospel of John, that's the big point of the Gospel of John. Believe, believe, believe. Every passage keeps going back to believe. And I love verse 44. Look at verse 44 and what Jesus says. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, 
so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Verse 44 does not begin with, then Jesus mumbled. It doesn't begin with, then Jesus said, P.S. No, no, Jesus cried out. This is a passionate, emotional appeal from God, the creator. Calling out to us, believe, believe in me. Come into the light. Trust me, follow me. I'm begging you. Sir, we would like to see Jesus. That's what the people say. Wouldn't it be amazing? Let's pray that there are hundreds, thousands of people in Kirribilli, in Neutral Bay, Macquarie Park, who see his glory, who see his victory, and who see his mercy and believe. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the glorious one. You are the victorious one. You are the merciful one. Thank you for that cross. Thank you for your death, for your resurrection. We praise you for all that you did there. Hallelujah. Give us faith to believe, faith to trust, faith to follow. And we pray we'd have the joy of seeing at 4 p.m. many people who we've invited or we've prayed for come and want to see Jesus and believe. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name.